She's a best-selling author and life coach, obsessed with helping women to silence their insecurities, build healthy boundaries, and fearlessly pursue the life and career of their dreams. Join her as she provides you with strategies and real-life tips to create your best life. Welcome to Fearless Fridays with Marianne. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Fearless Fridays with Marianne. I am your host, Marianne Rivera Danner, known as the Fearless Living Coach and Career Research Strategist. And today we are joined by an amazing woman and we are going to bring her on and get to know her and get this conversation going. Hi, Kelly. How are you? Hey, Marianne. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So who is Kelly? What is your story? Tell us. Oh, my goodness. Well, I grew up in the Northeast and I decided when I was 13 that I wanted to be an exercise therapist. I really didn't know what that meant. I just knew I was really happy when I was running, dancing, jumping, swimming, cheerleading. I'm like, what are people knocking about this? I love this endorphin (laughs) rush. I want to do this and help other people do it. So I've had a really blessed career of being able to speak on stages all over the world and be on all the major networks and be a best-selling author and So the vehicles have always changed through the years, but every day I wake up to help people be well. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So although you wake up now to help people do that, that probably hasn't always been the story. So tell us about a obstacle that you have to overcome, you know, a difficult time in your life that led you to become who you are today. Yeah. So, you know, you live long enough and stuff's going to happen. You know, I've lost my dad and my best friends to cancer. I was sued over a lawsuit. I mean, all these Mm -hmm. things will happen in life. But the biggest turning point for me was when after 24 years of marriage, my husband came home and said, my commitment to our marriage is zero. And he left. Mm -hmm. And that floored me. It really was the tornado that came in and just blew up my life and scattered the pieces all over and left this gaping hole in my heart that, and it sent me on this journey to really figure out who I was. So I went on a three-year healing sabbatical to figure that out. Wow. So were there any warning signs, anything that you might've missed, any hints that something was not working? Looking back, I can say that it was a slow fade that we weren't you know, so madly in love, we were kind of limping along in marriage, but I really never thought that he would leave. Uh, He gave me his reasons why he was leaving. I have my own ideas, but what was important to me is that I looked at my part and really owned how I contributed to it so that I could fix it and never do that again. So that was a a great, um, just healing part in looking at what went wrong. Yeah. So you went on a three-year sabbatical. So what did that look like? What did that healing look like? What were some of the tools that you utilized, you know, to heal and break free from that? I did all the things. (laughs) I went on (laughs) retreats. I was at women's conferences. I was in Bible study, divorce recovery, prayer groups. I was listening to TED Talks. I read the books. I was just listening to nothing but positive information. I walked in nature. I meditated. I journaled. I I mean, I really did everything. I got certified as a divorce coach because I I wanted to understand. I'm a knowledge person. So Mm -hmm. learning really helps me to process things. Yeah, beautiful. So let's dig in a little bit deeper in that. So what was it about immersing yourself in all of these different modalities that inspired you and kept you going? 
Yeah, for me, it's my faith. So that is what kept me going. I never really shook my fist at God and said, why me? I wanted to understand how I was. And so I realized that my identity was really wrapped up in things of this world, like being a wife and even being a mom. I was at the season where my kids were leaving for college. So everything in my world changed and I fell apart. And before that, I was a super achiever. I mean, I owned an operated health clubs. I managed corporate fitness, you know, done all these things, ran a, a big, beautiful home, had great friends, top of my industry. But I had to go, okay, wait a minute, you just fell apart. What was that? So what was my foundation really on? So renewing um, my identity and my faith was really one of the, the biggest and most valuable lessons in it. Yeah. So becoming a divorce co uh, coach, what was that process like and how do you help clients now? Great question. So I love to be someone who's qualified. When I hire someone, I want to know that they're qualified, not just, oh, there's someone who lost weight. So now they're a weight loss coach, you know? <laughs> so I was looking for certifications originally, again, for myself, for my own knowledge. So I got certified by the American Association of Christian Counselors. I felt like they were one of the most credible and I really did want to take a spirit, mind, body approach. So I felt confident with them. Uh, the process itself with COVID was virtual. So I was studying and learning online using videos and books and things. And how I help women is creating the program that I wished I had. So I took mm -hmm. everything from my three years and went, okay, what really moved the needle? What really peeled back the layers and palpably made a difference in my healing? So I took different pieces from my divorce recovery class and my healing place counselor and, you know, all these different things. And that's what I put in a program. And that's how I help women. And there's eight different things that I came up with that I believe are the most impactful. And I wish I knew at the very beginning, because I would have been able to go through it with a lot less grief and stress and bitterness and anger and depression <laughs> had I known. <laughs> Yeah, so definitely that's part of your coaching program. So we're not going to, you know, dive into each of them, but can you just give what the, you know, what the titles are without going yeah, into so details? Week one is about identity and that's really about, you know, who you are and whose you are. Week two is forgiveness, which I wish I could say I did that first, but that was actually the very last part of my healing, but it's so valuable. I teach it early on renewing your mind. Um, the next one is purpose, then self-love and gratitude, divine health, abundant wealth, and then joy, resurrection, and celebration is, is the last one. Mm, I love those. I love those. So if you don't mind, let's talk a little bit about forgiveness because that's you know a topic that I always talk about. What is it about forgiveness that keeps us stuck? Yeah, so... I remember it was 4th of July weekend and I had been invited, you know, come to the boat, come to the lake, whatever. And I was just feeling like such a victim, which is the very lowest level of energy. And I sat on my couch and I said, you are not getting up until you figure out this forgiveness thing. And I read a book called Forgiving Forward. And what I found was the hardest part was actually the self-forgiveness that I was able to forgive my former husband and even bless him in the area where he most offended me because he was re-engaged within a month of our divorce and remarried very quickly. So I can say that I totally bless him. But for me, I felt like a failure. 
And I was holding my own feet to the fire. I was burning myself, just not giving myself permission to be free from that. So it was really between, again, me and my faith, just being able to say, I forgive myself and it's all forgotten. And as far as the East is from the West, it will not be remembered anymore. So this feeling of Mm -hmm. failure that I'm carrying, I need to set it free and release it. This feeling of rejection, because the person who's left feels really rejected. So I needed to forgive myself because God wasn't rejecting me. I was rejecting me. And when you get to the highest levels of forgiveness, it's what I call living a life of pre-forgiveness. So now when I go out into the world, I go out carrying peace and love with me so that I'm not easily offendable, so that I don't, if something happens, fall as fast, as long, as dark as in the past, because I'm carrying peace. So I may for a moment get upset or offended, but then I'm like, nope, this is too, my peace is too expensive. I can't lose it. And so it just changes your whole way of, going out into the world with love. Mm, That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So what is it about forgiving ourselves that makes it so difficult? Why is it easier to forgive others, but not our own selves? Yeah. And it may be really hard for people to forgive others, but everything does really start with yourself because what is in you when life gets hard and you're stressed is what comes out of you. So if you're carrying defensiveness and anger and bitterness and rejection, as soon as anything gets hard, that's what you vomit out to the world. But if you're carrying the love and the peace because you love yourself, because you're caring for yourself, because you're saying good things to yourself, because you're reading truth, because you're bringing in positive things, that's what comes out of you. So forgiveness is something that you do for yourself. You should be quick to forgive other people. And if you're not judging yourself, you shouldn't be quick to judge other people. So when you can manage the, there's not a lot of things we can control, but our <laughs> our thoughts, our actions, our habits, our character, our identity is one of the things that we can. Mm-hmm. So I'm not anyone's savior. So when I realized that, that was so freeing mm-hmm. and the forgiveness isn't so much between me and the other person as it is between me and, you know, for me, it's God. Right. So if that other person chooses not to forgive me, or it's not even safe for me to communicate that to them in person, or I can't, you know, maybe there's someone who's passed on or, um, you know, it's just not safe to be in their presence. It's really all between me and God. And if they choose not to receive it, if they're like, no, I don't forgive you for the rest of my life, I'll never forgive you. That's on them to carry that, not me. Mm. I love it. So you spoke about three Tip, not, not three tips, but three main areas of focus, spirit, mind, and body. So breaking each of those, how does that together form a person? Yes. Yeah, so when I, when I started in my career, I was 17 and I wound up getting a master's degree in clinical exercise, physiology, cardiac rehabilitation. And so I started working with people with the physical part, the fitness. And what I quickly found, even at 17, was that when I started to get people moving their bodies, they would come in and they'd go, you know what? People at work like me better. I think my kids even like me better. My wife has noticed that I'm more positive and have more energy. You know, I just started to notice like, wow, I'm, I'm doing exercise with him, but his mental health is changing because he's losing weight and he's sleeping better and, and all those things. So I started studying more about the mind. And when you do a deep dive on the mind and the mental health and how you can renew your mind, 
at the very end of the mind, you're getting to now the quantum level. And at the quantum level, that's where the spiritual really shows up. And I had always been a person of faith. I grew up, I went to Catholic school, but really doing a deep dive into this whole spiritual realm. And they are all connected and you can't separate them. And if you're just relying on your flesh, just relying on your physical, but you're not changing your mind and you're not changing your beliefs, it is a long, slow, hard, difficult, painful road to make any kind of change versus if you start with the faith (laughs) and then it makes the physical and the mental changes much easier. But the three truly have to work together. And the spirit is always perfect. (laughs) That part is always, it's just perfect. So it's up to us to try and line our thinking and our actions and our words and our life up with that. I love that. So you mentioned, not you mentioned, but I read about a cross-country move that you made. Yeah. Yeah. So what was that like? So my whole family's in the Northeast. Everyone was there. And my children were three and four when my former husband had the opportunity to move. We were in New Jersey to Dallas. And so it it was a big move. We had never really just been a family unit of four people. And so this was completely new for us to really stand on our own, to go someplace where we didn't know anyone or anything. The culture is very different. We both grew up in New York. So Dallas is just very different. We're out in the suburbs and it was wonderful. It was beautiful. I'm so thankful. I wouldn't trade it. Um, It was difficult, you know, back at home leaving family. So we went back and we visited a lot, but I feel like people who are open to change and willing to change, they'd have the most diverse lives and they just have a richer experience versus just staying in one place your whole life. So I, I do travel a lot professionally and personally Um, But living here has been wonderful. I'm not sure that this is my forever place, but I've been here for 15 years and it's been great. Nice. I love that. I love that. So let's talk a little bit about reinventing yourself. So, you know, you were married for numerous, you know, years and things like that. You had this whole life. So what did reinventing yourself look like? And, you know, what tips would you give to, you know, our audience who may be watching or listening that may be contemplating a divorce or a newly divorced you know, to take those steps. Yeah. So when you go through the grief cycle, the idea is not to get stuck or stop there. And the mm-hmm. grief is like shock and anger and denial and sadness and depression. And eventually you get to a place of what they call healthy readjusted and healthy readjusted mm-hmm. is really good. That means, you know, you can function and you have health and you've adjusted to no longer being married or whatever the loss is, whatever the grief comes from. But there's something above just being healthy and readjusted. Like I like healthy and readjusted is good, but yeah. wow, there's there's so much more. Like let's go up here where things can be better than you could ask, think, or imagine. And that's when I really get women to step into that boldness, to step into that courage, to do the things you've always dreamed about doing but have never done by starting with imagination. And I ask them a lot of really good open-ended questions that allow them to blow up the box, take off the limits. If anything was possible, you know, go back to that little girl. What dreams did you have? What have you always want to do that you haven't done? What's inside you that you let died? You know, if time and money were no object, what would you do? If you're going to live six months, what would you do? And just get them to get out of that sort of poverty thinking. Because when a woman goes through divorce, uh, single moms are the biggest group of poverty in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yeah, your chances of poverty if you don't remarry are significant. So not everyone remarries, and a lot of women just live believing I'm, I'm never going to have more than this little rented apartment. I'll always be behind my bills. So I get them to think about wealth and health, that it's really a great opportunity for them to be in the best shape of their life, physically, financially, relationally, socially, professionally, um, in every way. I love that. I love that. So what would be three tips that, you know, being specific that you will give to someone, um, whether it's, you know, mind, body, you know, spirit, or just focusing on one of them for the woman that is saying, okay, you know, I'm getting a divorce. I don't want to, you know, they might try to be playing, you know, one of the like, not contemplating, but negotiating, you know, so what tips would you give to someone in that situation? Yeah, one of the practical things that I do with women, you know, when divorce is going on, there's a lot of chaos. You could be moving, you're dealing with attorneys, kids might be changing schools, all of those things. And a lot of times I'll have them start with a to-don't list. And that means that, you know, before I even ask you to consider one new thing to do, like if I just say breathe or journal and you're like, Kelly, I'm like, you know, this is just too much. And I'm like, okay, what is on your list that is no longer serving you that you don't need to do that maybe was good in the future, but isn't good now that if you stopped doing it, it would actually contribute to some joy and open up some space to just think, get rid of the chaos. So a to don't list is one thing that they can do. Another Mm -hmm. thing is an exercise called Kylego. And I'm sure there's some other, you know, psychology word for it, but I first heard it from uh, two guys, Kyle and Diego And it's basically talking about your future as if it's already happened. So let's say it was a year from today, you know, it was out a year from now in 2023. And you're talking about the year with intention and just detail as if it's already happened. So for example, if you want to be in a new relationship or have a new house, you know, you're talking about the man that you met and how he matches your core values and how you know, incredible that it's been being with him for this past year and, you know, that you love all the inside jokes that you share together and how handsome he is or, you know, whatever it is. So it gets you to start to imagine and dream about the vision in the future that um, you start to move towards it because you start speaking it and believing it. So that's a really good exercise. And then another one is um, just to celebrate we're not really good about celebrating, especially when we feel so down, is to be intentional about planning something that's celebratory, even if you feel like there's nothing great to celebrate, um, even if you have to do it alone. Pick something that gives you joy. Invite a friend if you can. But if you're not celebrating, you will burn out. You'll just go from thing to thing to thing. You're robbing yourself of feeling anything positive at all. So I try and uh, make sure that they build some, my program has celebrations built into it, that they do something that they acknowledge and recognize celebrating. You know, and celebrating doesn't have to be expensive or complicated. It could be so simple, like just turning off your phone and just being sitting quiet for 15 minutes or taking a nice hot bubble bath. Yeah, exactly. Take your shoes off, go walk in the grass. I mean, Go sit by water. It doesn't have to be extravagant. It just could be something you love. Go volunteer with puppies. I mean, it could be anything that makes your heart feel good. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about your books. I know that you're an author. 
So tell us what your, you know, the titles of your books and what your books are about. Excellent. Um, the first one was called Mom and Dad Panors, and that was really about way before COVID, um, you know, being able to put your family first, so not sacrificing mm-hmm. your career for your family. So it was ways to come home, still be a super achiever in your industry, earn an executive pay, but without sacrificing your family. The second book is called Passionistas, and it's about what you would say to your younger self. So it's stories from successful women knowing what they now know, what they wish they had known you know, when they were 20. And then the third book is called Success Habits of Super Achievers, and that includes over 80 stories of ordinary people that something unreasonably difficult happened to that they chose to get back up and be resilient and overcome it and not just overcome it, but then to do something that made a difference uh, in the world because of it. Mm, I love those. So is there anything that you would like to mention that we have not had an opportunity to talk about? Well, I mean, if any of your listeners are women thinking about getting divorced, separated, going through a divorce, even years post-divorce that you feel like you have not yet arrived at your best self, would definitely love to invite them to join my free private Facebook group. It's called Intentionally Fabulous. We talk about the hard things. We will talk about, um, you know, things that encourage and support each other. We talk about things that, um, you know, people don't think about when they're going through divorce, like, well, what about health insurance or you know, what about co-parenting or negotiating things or in-laws or uh, who keeps the primary home and, you know, can you stay there? Can you afford that? Do you want to stay there with the memories? So we talk about all the things there and we laugh and, you know, we we just, um, it's a community. It's a beautiful community. So any ladies are welcome to go and join there. And what's the name of the group? Intentionally Fabulous. Okay. Awesome. I'll make sure to put that in the show notes. Excellent. Thank you. So as we get ready to close out, what would be a fearless tip for 2022 that our audience can implement immediately? Yes. One of the things that I love is gratitude. And I know people talk about gratitude, like you should do it all the time, but here's the exercise that really shifted everything for me. I decided over a year ago that I would not go to bed until I filled out an entire page in my journal with gratitude. And initially it started out really mechanical. So it was like, oh, I took my vitamins, I walked the dog. But then there was a shift where I started going through my day going, okay, you're going to have to fill up a gratitude journal today. Like you better be looking for things to be grateful for all day long. And I just started looking like, oh, you know, the neighbor wrote my mail in. That was really nice. And then I'd be like, oh my goodness. Wow. Like I get to talk to Marianne today on the show. Like not everyone gets to do that. Like that, that's amazing. That's incredible. And um, then I started to realize how many things were coming to me because I was being grateful and I started keeping track of them. Like, wow, you know, someone just bought me soup or someone brought me a a book or sent me flowers or, you know, whatever. And I was like, wow, there's this whole flow of this universe. It's not just me giving, 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 giving. But when I turn on my receiver, because I have a grateful heart, things start coming to me. And it really gave me a lot of hope and shifted everything and made me want to be more fabulous and more giving. I love that. I love that. So thank you so much for being with us today. And I will make sure that I capture everything and put it in the show notes for our listeners. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Marianne. And thanks for bringing the show to the world. It's awesome. 
You're welcome. Thank you, everyone, once again, for tuning in to Fearless Fridays with Marianne. I hope that you enjoy the conversation with Kelly. And be sure to check the show notes so you can connect with her, especially if you are someone that is contemplating a divorce or is newly divorced. And as always, remember, you are fearless, you are fabulous, you are a priority, and you matter. Until next time. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you found this episode inspiring and motivating. Don't forget to leave a comment so you can win a fabulous prize at the end of the month. You can leave a review on iTunes or you can head over to YouTube or my Fearless Living Coach page on Facebook if you are an Android user. And as always, remember, you are fearless, you are fabulous, you are a priority, and you matter. See you next time. Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Kelly. The host of Getting Real with Bossy, the real, raw, and honest podcast about small business ownership. We created Bossy to be a safe place to ask the hard questions and to get support that's necessary. With our experience, nine businesses in over 25 years, we continue to bear it all and share what we wish we had known. We move past the must-be-nices and start getting real. Come along as we interview small business owners and get the true story. Leave with another tool for the next time you feel alone on this journey. Business ownership leads to unexpected knowledge. What are you an expert at? Tell us at Getting Real with Bossy and subscribe today.